orientation, gender identity, age, or disability. We have positions available. For information on our current job openings, please visit our website at denversports.com. If your organization would like to receive notification of job vacancies at our stations, please email human resources at denvercareers at bonneville.com. Wipe away the winter blues at the Colorado Garden and Home Show February 24th through March 3rd at the Colorado Convention Center. Visit coloradogardenfoundation.org. Yeah. KKFN and KKFN HD1 Longmont Denver. 104.3 The Fan. We are Denver Sports. Denver Sports Snapshot. Tonight on 104.3 HD3, DU Basketball faces South Dakota State starting at 5.30. Saturday on 104.3 HD3, DU Lacrosse faces Cornell, followed by DU Hockey Skating with Miami. Then on ESPN Denver 1600, home of the Colorado State Rams, CSU Basketball faces UNLV. 104.3 The Fan. We are Denver Sports. Welcome to Four Down Territory. As Stick and Mike take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Slareth and Evans kicking it off with First Down. The uh, Nuggets go back to work tonight as they take on Washington. Technically, I guess you can't forget, the Nuggets are riding a three-game losing streak into the All-Star break. But, you know, the All-Star break being... A good break, a, a chance to kind of push the reset button. Doesn't feel like they're lugging around a three-game losing streak. But Michael Malone with a lot of bravado as he looks ahead to the rest of the season and the rest of this Western Conference. I have complete confidence in that group that we can go anywhere and beat anybody in the entire NBA. We've proven we can do that. We just have to be a lot more consistent in these final 27. I fear nobody. Yeah. And I think that's how his team feels. And that's why his message yesterday I thought was an interesting one and, and something for Nugget fans to to file away. He said, I am not going to sacrifice the overall big picture, which is playing deep into June, just to chase a number one or number right. two seed. It's and just not that important. And he's planned <clears throat> he planned that in the, in the minds of his players as well. We can go on the road. And we can beat anyone, anywhere in the NBA. That's who we are. And so there's a confidence. There's a confidence and almost a challenge there. Hey, man, we're, we're probably going to have to do some of this on the road. It's all right. Yeah. We're not afraid. And they proved it last year, going, I think, 16-4 and four throughout the playoffs. Right. So they proved that. Good. And as the uh, season moves along, Michael Porter Jr. aware that the Nuggets are going to continue to get everybody's best shot. I mean, we know we're getting teams' best shot um, every game. That's good for us. And, um, you know, like they say, it's harder to stay on top than get to the top. So it's definitely been probably harder um, this season than last season. But we feel comfortable with our team. When you guys were defending your title here, well, it's kind of interesting because you guys got out to that. You are undefeated for so long. But was, was there ever a sense, because you were getting everybody's best shot. You were playing with that proverbial bullseye on your back. But was, there, was there ever a time during the season where you almost kind of collectively exhaled and like, all right, we can see the finish line. The regular season's almost over. And, you know, the fun time, chance to go out and defend our title time is within our grasp now. Um. Yeah. Once, 
I think once we lost in that in that season, once we lost, I think there was a, a reset, like, almost like, thank goodness that's over. Because mm-hmm. the locker room, we, we got our team back. What do you mean? I mean, you start, you go 6-0, and and, you know, you start getting every Tom, Dick, and Harry, all those Boston guys. What was the Boston reporters? Will McDonough. Will McDonough, and <laughs> there's a couple other dudes that all of a sudden hanging around like really? vultures in your locker room. Trying right? to talk to Nalen. Yeah, and uh, next thing you know, your locker room's got 100 people in it. Yeah. You know, it's got the 50 players yeah, and 50 true. reporters. It's and true. And then you're, you get out of your routine. You're hiding from people. Like, I don't want to go in there. You know, it's just a freaking zoo. Yeah, so, yeah, there was that. You lost, and it was like, well, at least we don't have to deal with that anymore. But this has been different because you, you can just you can just tell they've been grinding through this season, grinding mm-hmm. through this season, and they I mean they know they're going to be in the playoffs. They know they're going to be playing into to May and June. So it's just it's been difficult to to keep that intensity up. I think it's been indic- indicative of how they've played on the, on the road. And so, but now you get to a certain point where I think you you do see the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. and you start thinking, okay. Guess what? Now, now the bullseye will not be on our back as much because we're going to be just as hungry and and eager to go right. out and win a title as everybody else is. Now we're all on the same footing. Now we're all starting from the same spot. But right now, the rest of these twenty seven games, they're still dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Third down, Avalanche and Red Wings tonight. Ah, you know, I, I guess maybe this is the way it works in sports. This is the payoff, right? Is uh-huh. that? You, you experience something as special and as unique as the Avalanche-Red Wing rivalry was is that nothing lasts forever in, in sports. And so once that rivalry ended, I I don't think they've ever found a new rival. No. Really? I mean, who, who would you say is the Avs' rival that comes anywhere close to... Oh, well, there's nothing that comes close no, to that. No, but is there anything that's even in the... I mean, then no one... Who is it? I mean, please, don't give me Minnesota, Dallas, maybe Vegas. Vegas seems like the most natural because of proximity and the success they've had. But they they don't have that deep of a playoff history. Avs haven't beaten them. No. I just don't think they have I think the Avs. Which is fine. But I think the Avs have more of a litmus test or, or are more of a litmus test like... There are other teams that look at the Avs as rivals. Right, right. But there's not, the Avs don't look at anybody as real rivals. Does that make sense? Right, because if you look at who the Avs have been playing since they became good again, it's just been sort of a, a, a hodgepodge of different teams that they've. Right. But dealt I think with. a lot of teams look at <clears throat> the Avs with the talent they have and everything else and say, that that is our, if we play well against them, we know we're a pretty good team. Right. But the Avs have a team that they look at like right. that. I, no, I, just I don't, don't think so. I just don't see it, no. One, two, three. Fourth down. College hoops last night. Oh, CSU almost pulled off an upset in the pit in Albuquerque at New Mexico, losing 68-66. Hard-fought game. Good, good college basketball game. Lots of March Madness-type intensity. Uh, CSU comes up a little bit short, but I, I love the way Nico Medved's team is playing. I... I think they they shape up as a a strong tournament team. I I like the way they're made. They got the good point guard play. Uh, There's only one thing that bothers me. What bothers you? A name like Nico Medved. Uh huh. 
you, his voice does not match his name. He should have a much tougher sounding, more swarthy sounding. Yeah. He sounds a yeah, little when bit. When he talks, he's very. He's like Ned Flanders. Yeah, he's got a Flanders esque quality to him. Yes, yes, you're right. Nico Medved. You know, you feel like right. you should just be talking about going out there, going <laughs> to play like Thunder, you know, or Buster McThunderstick. Going to go out there and knock some heads together. You're right, you're right. He just has. I can't imagine him getting like. I'm sure he can get really mad. I'm sure his his players can tell us. Uh, no, no, he he knows that. I know, I but just, he would I just probably think be like, "Man, am I peeved, you guys?" <laughs> right. I'd almost be like trying hard not to laugh if he started right. yelling at me. This really peeves me. <laughs> Highly ho, fellas. <laughs> we got to get out there and we got to give them the business. Uh, now. Let's go. Yeah, his name does not match his voice. That's all right. He's a good coach. I'm sure that he's a good he's coach. He's a good just, coach. We need some voice. Maybe Roach. Maybe we can get him together with Roach. And hey. give him some voice. Or, or you can give him Adazio's voice, huh? We all love Adazio. Oh, Couldn't yeah. Coach his way out of a... Wet paper sack. Right? But, but yeah, but yeah, that two guy, dudes. Two dudes. Two dudes. Great. Gives us a great coach, but he, or a great quote, but he can't coach. Yeah, if we could couple those guys together. Right, exactly. That'll do it for Four Down Territory. Our tour around the uh, Denver sports scene is always free to uh, respond to uh, anything we just talked about. Hit us up on the Ramoslaw.com text line, uh, 303-713-1043. We uh, got to react to something. I, I don't know what it is with our friends in the afternoon, the drive, why they have this uh, agenda uh, against Sean Payton, but they they mm. they described him in a way that I think is just just hugely blatantly unfair. Explain why next. Ever since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my hiding spots. Ha! Found ya. How? That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Now through March 21st, get started with 200 megabit internet for $25 a month for two years with no annual contract and get Wi-Fi equipment included. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Requires paperless plan auto pay with stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Taxes and fees extra. After promo, regular rates apply to internet service and Wi-Fi equipment. Actual speeds vary. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. conversation up, I gotta read a text Okay, that came in right after I set the tease for this segment. Uh-huh. On the Ramoslaw.com text line 303-713-1043. Sean Payton must be the happiest man in the world. He has a whole PR team that works in Denver Sports Radio that goes out of their way to defend him every day the way that you and Mark do. His own exclusive PR team. Well, that's not true bit mean, but somebody needs to counter the pure negativity and hatred that comes Sean's way from the drive in the afternoon with Zach By and Philip Lindsay. He's definitely going to go down as one of those pirates that's willing to do anything to win, and we need it here in Denver. He is kind of an NFL pirate, isn't he? You need that. You know, that's what they're missing in today's game, just like the rivalries. It's just kind of somebody that is willing to do whatever it takes to get a team back to the top, and the Denver Broncos need somebody like that. Yeah, I like that. Sean Payton is like an NFL pirate coach. (laughs) He'll put some money on your head. 
Oh, yeah. The bounties is coming up. Like, the wood, the, the wizard, the, the peg peg leg, you know, the, yes. the eye patch. Yes. The parrot. The parrot. Bring it all on. The hook. Oh, my gosh. Um, I like that. He will beg, borrow, and steal for his next franchise quarterback. And guess what? That's the way I want him. Sean Payton. Arr. Payton the pirate. Hire me to eat. Going to get the booty. <laughs> <laughs> and the booty, in this case, is J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. Okay. First of all. First of all, there's this this notion that uh, that that Sean there's this notion out there that Sean is impatient that uh, Sean is going to uh, mortgage the future, beg, borrow, or steal to necessarily get his guy. I I don't think that's a fair description of him. Do you? Because. All he's done in one year here is come in, kind of take the temperature, taking the lay of the land. He had mm-hmm. one main goal in year one, and that was to figure out that could he work with Russell Wilson? Took him a little while to arrive at the conclusion I had already arrived at a long time ago. You won't. You can't. Move on. But he eventually did. And so now in his first full season, off season here, let, let's let see how he goes about fixing this thing. Let's see if he looks like he's trying to slap Band-Aids and looking for quick fixes, or is he trying to take a more sober, um, patient uh, rebuild of this thing that, that quite honestly, uh, ha- has needed to be the approach for the last eight years around here? Sean Payton has done exactly what nobody has wanted to do here. In eight years. Sean Payton has ripped off the Band-Aid and basically said, like, he is just accelerating the process. There are many of you that want to kick the can down the road and say, well, we're spending money on Russell. We might as well use him for the next two years so we can be right back in the same place we are right now, being a 500 or less team sitting here in 2026 going, okay, now we have to find a franchise quarterback. Hey, I don't know that we'll find a franchise quarterback this year. I know one thing, we don't have one. I know one thing, Russell Wilson isn't all of a sudden going to become one. So he's doing you a favor, and the hatred that gets spewed on Sean Payton for making the hard decisions... I mean, have we just become the softest fan base in football? We don't want to hurt Russell Wilson's feelings, poor Russell Wilson. Oh, my gosh, let's just continue. Like, maybe if we just got him some weapons, then all of a sudden, if he had more weapons, then all of a sudden he'd be able to see in the middle of the field. If we just had more weapons, then he could get through a progression. If we just had more weapons, he quit taking sacks. You're kidding me, right? Well, for the because te- you're kidding yourself. For the texter who said that we're Sean's personal PR team, I mean that's ridiculous. Trust me, I, I will be critical of Sean Payton. I will hold Sean Payton to a high standard beginning this year. Yes, I will absolutely look for improvement and look for signs that that uh, he's really putting his stamp on this thing. But if you think I'm going to trash him 
and and criticize him and look to run him out of town or put him on notice after just one season after the eight years that have transpired before this and all the bad decisions and all the bad coaching and all the bad quarterback play and all the bad general managing. If you think I'm going to conveniently overlook eight years of crap that landed in his lap mm-hmm. and call him a failure after just one year, that's... That is so unfair, so unfair. And I guess I got to ask, where were you people with the same amount of vigilance that you have for Sean Payton? Where were you when you were asleep at the wheel as John Elway was driving this thing off the cliff? Or George Payton was making a a, a foolish move in uh, giving Russell Wilson the contract. Where was the vigilance then that you're piling on Sean Payton now? I mean, at some point, it's going to be deserved. I, I get that if he doesn't deliver. But come on, we're not even close to that point yet. Did you not see a team this year that was different from the standpoint of accountability, what was asked of them, the competitive nature of this football team compared to recent years? Did you not see a difference this year? Did you not see a difference in organizational structure the way this team competed, the way this team practiced. We didn't have the, wow, they had a, a great Wednesday practice. They didn't. Did you not see a, a, a higher degree of accountability? Did you not see, I mean, I don't know, all you have to do is look at Russell Wilson's Instagram page to know that there was a difference over at Dove Valley this year, and that difference was Sean Payton. You know, we're not seeing pictures of, him leaving his $25 million house to get into his Rolls Royce to say, hey, I'm going down to a preseason game, you know. <laughs> Life is great. Keep grinding. Yeah, you may think comparing Sean Payton to Deion Sanders is in their first years is completely, they're completely opposite, and I, I can understand why you would think that way, but the, the fact remains is that for for different reasons, they've both arrived at the same place, and that is... Year two, it is about ratcheting up the expectations. I inherited some bull junk, and I'm going to fix it. Year two for Dion. hey, all the hype was great. Right. Now you got to deliver on it. For Sean, people who are, are smart about it and, and don't just fly off and, 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 and try to come up with the hot takes about Sean being trash uh, would understand that Sean inherited a lot of trash and that he deserves that first year to kind of to figure everything out. But moving forward, yes, sure. We need to see him weave some right. magic that would show why they traded for him, why they made him one of the highest paid coaches in, in the NFL. I think that's all fair. And I think for both Dion and right. Sean Payton, you're too huge for both of them. And there's going to be there's going to be some growing pains. If you've got to make tough decisions, there are going to be growing pains that are associated with those tough decisions. Remember, he had Drew Brees. And they went three straight seasons after they got themselves in salary cap purgatory. They went three straight seasons and they were revamping their team at 7-9, 7-9, So you got to be willing to do the one thing I know about Sean, and I know some things, but one thing I do know, he's not afraid to make tough decisions. And you got to be, you've got to be able to do that. So, I mean, there there is an interesting amount of hate pointed towards Sean Payton, and I think most of it is out of fear because you've been duped a bill of goods about the salary cap and how you'll never be able to compete. 
Coming up in What's Trending, if you've ever been thinking, guys, of getting a vasectomy, I'm going to tell you exactly when you need to schedule it. Huh? How's that for a tease? That's good. That's next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. All right, Nugget fans, so as the uh, season resumes, 27 games left, and you're looking and you're seeing Oklahoma City and Minnesota ahead of the Nuggets in the division, Nuggets fourth in the uh, overall conference, and you're saying, come on, you got to push, push, push for that high seed. Sorry, you're going to be disappointed. For me, it's, it's not like top one or two priority, to be very honest. And we talked about that with our team today. The good thing is Minnesota's number one. We played them three more times. We're three games out. So we have avenues to become the number one team. It's definitely attainable. Um, but I don't want to win that battle and lose a bigger war. You like that approach? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that's the right approach. I mean, you want to get into rhythm. You want to be playing your best basketball come playoff time. And so they obviously are, are going to work toward that. But I think there's so much confidence involved in what they do and the way they play the game and the unselfishness with which they play. And they know they can beat anybody. And and he's right. Like If we just line up and play, you know, the seeding is going to take care of itself. But it's not the most important. Being the number one seed is not the most important thing. If you're play. Minnesota, if you're Oklahoma City, yeah, you need to push. Right. You need to push the rest of this way. Why? You know why? Because you haven't you haven't accomplished a damn thing yet. Mm-hmm. You haven't done anything. Right. Nuggets to the, they have, and because they have, they've earned the right to trust them that they don't have to go all out, pedal to the metal during the regular season. They can take a look at the bigger picture. They can be thinking about down the road mm-hmm. to May and to June. Sure. Meanwhile, as we look ahead to the rest of uh, this Western Conference playoff chase and how it will look in the playoffs, Paul Pierce doing a uh, podcast with Kevin Garnett. I had this to say about the Nuggets. only team that I know for sure ain't losing in the first round is Denver. Everybody else I feel like can get popped in the first round Mm. if the matchup wrong. Mm. Everybody else. Denver is the only team I'm confident that's getting out the first round or putting cheese up. That means Lakers, Warriors. He said, by the way, he went on to say Lakers and Warriors, Warriors, their window is just about closed. After this year, their windows are closed. Well, so, I mean, the Lakers got swept last year. What's what's they, changed? Well, they won the in-season tournament, Mark. Right. That got my attention. It didn't get yours. They raised the banner and everything. It was an incredible sweep, though. <laughs> it was an incredible sweep. By the way, I like that I'm putting cheese up. Uh-huh. Put that in my book of wisdom. Uh-huh. Put some cheese up. I love cheese. You like cheese? Love cheese. I did too. Favorite kind of cheese? Grated cheese. R- really? Oh, Delicious. No. I just I just love a good, no, fresh grated cheese. Yeah, but you can't put it on a cracker. I need my no, cheese I just eat a cracker. It, I just eat it straight. Wait, There's something what, about... you take a spoon and, and like some grated cheese or something? You just spoon? No, I just grab it with my hand. Yeah? And, all right. Yeah. There's something about the airiness of grated cheese that makes uh, it taste better. No, oh, my no, gosh. No, no, I'm not no, talking about no. the prepackaged grated no. cheese because that's got like that's got like cornstarch or something on it to keep nah, it from sticking nice. together. That's not good. When you get a fresh... I like the Tillamook. <laughs> <laughs> 
medium cheddar uh-huh. and just grate it, and no, I will just no, sit down no. with a plate of grated cheese. No, and I will just, sit down with a plate of, of, of cut cheese. What's wedges, your guys' favorite wedges of cheese. cheese? Your favorite kind of cheese? Favorite uh, kind of cheese. Favorite kind of cheese. Uh, Gouda. I love Gouda. You love Gouda? I love Gouda. Oh, it is Gouda. I what? love Gouda. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I mean, Why I like... Why, do you disagree with that? What are you... What are you, something even more exotic, or are you just kind no. of plain? You I two? like some fret, fresh mozzarella. Yeah, oh, I like that. I just like all cheese. I do, too. I'm not a, I don't discriminate against I don't cheese. Either. I don't either. But I love it grated. Hmm. I okay. love grated cheese. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. File that one away. Antonio Pierce, the new, now full-time coach mm-hmm. of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, was on Max Crosby's the Rush podcast and laid out the Mahomes rules. So we had the Jordan rules back in the days. Oh, I like this. Created by uh, Chuck Daly mm-hmm. and the Pistons, the Bad Boy Pistons. Uh, from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. So you remember with the Pistons, anytime he came into the paint, they used to whoop his butt. Mm-hmm. Anytime he came to the hole, Elbows, feeling him, love taps. We touched him. We're in the head, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm touching you. Mm-hmm. I showed those guys Jordan Gain his butt whooped. So that's the idea. I guess the Mahomes rules. Gonna constantly be in his face, touching him, giving him a brush. I'm here. Knocking him down. Mm-hmm. You do realize, Antonio Pierce and the Raiders, that the most protected player in the entire NFL is Patrick Mahomes. You do realize this, right? And they, you think that after going now public with your idea of the Mahomes rules, you don't think that that bubble around Patrick Mahomes is going to get even bigger anytime you play the Raiders? They did. They did whip him in the end of the season, right? The Raiders whipped him. Yep. So... I love it. So now we're gonna do it. I would love. Did to you see- watch? Did you watch the in-season hard knocks? No. When not- Miami was playing, when Miami was preparing to play the Raiders, they had whoever was playing the role of Max Crosby, constantly talking to Tua, constantly poking at him, constantly swiping at him, pushing him late as he's walking back to the huddle, kind of giving him a nudge, like do that because that's exactly what this guy does all game long. I think that's. I just think that's their rule of thumb with any quarterback. Yeah, but do you really think they're going to get away with it? Yeah. Come on now. Really? As long as it's not blatant, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'll believe that when I see it. Well, if you are um, thinking of uh, getting a vasectomy, <laughs> mm. and you just want to spend some time on your couch. You just feel like that you, you, at some point you just go, you know what I want to do today? <laughs> I want to get a vest. <laughs> Sounds fun. I'm just if if you just if you just want the world to go away, basically from Christmas through almost the end of January, check this out. All right, this now with the expanded college football playoffs mm-hmm. and the NFL playoffs. So December 20th, college football playoff first round. December 21st, college football playoff first round. December 31st, college football playoff quarterfinals. January 1st, college football quarterfinals. Then the 9th and 10th, we have the college football playoff semifinals. January 11th, the NFL wild card. 
January 12th and 13th NFL wild card, January 18th and 19th NFL divisional round, and then January 20th, the college football title game. It is just going to be a bonanza man, of playoff college and pro football. That is big time. Never leave your couch. It is just going to be... Look at this. I yeah. mean, it's just 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 a full month of nothing but playoff football. Yeah. I mean, it would be like the, the greatest day in history, right? I'm going to schedule a root canal. Then I'm going to go have a prostate exam. Yep. I'm going to finish it off with a vasectomy. Boom. It's going to be a trifecta. I would just, I, all those things you've been putting off, do mm. them all in that month span. Yeah. As soon as Christmas is over. Colonoscopy. Give, your, give, yourself a little, give yourself a little break for uh, New Year's. But otherwise, you're right. Hair transplants. <laughs> Colonoscopies, <laughs> prostate exams, yes. vasectomies, schedule them all. Because you'll just be able to relax and watch football. Playoff football. That's right. That'll do it for uh, What is Trending. Bring that to you uh, each and every morning at 730. What does the film say? Well, after Mark's controversial breakdown of Michael Penix. Well, for some, they were very upset at you. Well, people are always going to be upset. Well, they were very upset. Many There are more Michael Penix fans out there than I ever thought possible. So uh, a lot of them claim that you were being a hypocrite for one of the reasons that you were criticizing Michael Penix. So you took on that criticism. You took it on head-on, and we'll find the results out next. You're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, yeah. 104.3 The Fan. You used to call me on my cell phone Stinks Book of Wisdom coming up here in a bit. But, but we can't go. You, you got you to gotta give me the open, Sid. I need it. Can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do I can't hear what Mark has to say about Caleb Williams. The there eye in the sky uh, don't lie. I don't like the technique that fat needs to get his feet moving better than that. I just makes me sick to throw up. And I promise you, when he came off that field, I ripped his Time for Stink to use the exclusive <laughs> game <laughs> film. Oh, Only the Broncos no, 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 no. see to answer no. the big question. What does I the film say? If I had to go, I'd just go. I'd just pee my pants. I'd be standing in the huddle pan. Here's Schlereth and Evans to let Broncos country know. What does the film say? A little context on that, on the clip, because I came, somebody sent it to me, that Alex Gibbs clip. So he was he was coaching at a, like, coach's seminar, right, teaching the outside zone. He was talking about Tony Jones playing right tackle when he said, I don't like the technique that fat, mm, you know, is da 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 And then he was talking about ripping somebody's butt. He was talking about TD. Really? Bad cut, yeah. No kidding. Yeah was blocked perfectly by Zim and I, and uh, TD just ran to darkness. Hmm. Okay. That didn't happen very often. Most of the time, well, TD made up for a multitude of sins. Sure, sure, absolutely. Wow, okay. That, I just assumed uh, that was about I did, you. too. I thought it was about me, too. Yeah. I did. I, did. I think we all did. Trust me. I Trust me. I've had plenty of those conversations with Alex Gibbs. So, on Tuesday, when you did um, Telestrator Tuesday, you broke down Michael Penix. Yes. And... Part of your critique, and and you said I, I wouldn't draft him with your pick. Uh huh. You just you just Michael Penix to the Broncos as a non-starter for you. So one of your critiques of of Penix was like he played in the Pac-12. Pac-12 defenses are are soft. Mm-hmm. I can't take him seriously. Nothing that you do against the Pac-12 really resonates with me, which is why you looked at the Michigan game. 
And people immediately not only jumped on your your critique of Penix, but they they jumped on the idea, well, wait a minute, Caleb Williams is going to be the number one pick. Caleb Williams is, in some people's minds, a generational quarterback. He played in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. What do you got to say about him? Well, that was your assignment. And yesterday you took a deep dive into Caleb Williams just to find out if the hype is real. And we made sure that we kept it even because you looked at USC's game against Notre Dame back in October where Notre Dame blew out USC. Williams had a rough game and effectively uh, killed whatever chances he had of winning another Heisman. So what does the film say about your study of Caleb Williams, the presumed number one pick in the draft? All right, so when you talk about generational skill sets, okay, he has got some generational skill sets. He can throw the ball unbelievably well off platform. You know, what? whatever arm angle, whatever, like whatever arm angle, body mechanics, scrambling around, off platform throws, accurate with absolute velocity. Okay? He's got unbelievable arm talent. The guy's got a hose. Okay? He can let it eat. So he's got unbelievable arm talent. Um, he's really athletic. So he's super athletic. So all those, all those tangible skill sets are there. Is he a generational decision maker? No. In that game against Notre Dame, I saw him, I think, two times in that entire game make a progression read where he got to the third guy. And again, this is not so much a critique on Caleb Williams as it is on college football. The amount of static formation, no zero motion. No eye candy. Zero eye candy. They're not shifting strengths. They're not doing, they they line up in three by two, empty. They line up in three by one, plus or minus with the back. Occasionally, they will motion a back in like an orbit motion to get him to the three-man side, making a four-by-one formation. But they don't move strengths. They don't do any of that. They line up and they play. Now, what Notre Dame did was they jammed receivers and they took away the first read of Caleb Williams. And you know what? He had a tough time getting to the second or third. Like I said, there was once or twice, I think twice in the game, in every throw he made, which he had over 50 attempts, I think 51 or something, every one of those attempts, he, uh, I think he, twice he made a progression throw where he got to the third guy or the second guy. It is pick your target, throw it to your target. And they disrupted it so much. I don't know how many sacks they had, but they had to have six or seven sacks in that game, maybe more, which everybody will say, well, that's a that's protection and your offensive line sucked. No, no, you couldn't make a throw because you guys got beat off the line of scrimmage and your receivers got beat up. But, again, it's more a critique of college football that there is not a lot of that that goes on in college football. So you're always talking about these guys, that the difficulty in trying to evaluate these guys coming out of college for the pros is what transferable skills that do they have that you see transferring to the NFL? Mm -hmm. Do you see them? With Caleb Williams. Oh, I, from a talent standpoint, yeah. But from a 
understanding NFL football and and the growth process is going to be required. Here's one of the things I wrote to myself, and I think this is I think this is probably one of the things that nobody talks about. That's one of the most important things. You've probably never heard it before because I just kind of made it up as I was going along. But you'll understand what I'm saying. Doesn't eliminate quickly. Ooh, explain that. I, I think I know where you're going, but explain it some more. He gets hung up on the front side, whatever the front side progression is. So let's say it's a branch concept where receivers running deep, the number one outside receivers running deep, number two is running eight yard out, stick route, but it's at, at eight yards. Or they're running stick, same concept, only at five yards, right? Doesn't get off, off based off of leverage and pre-snap, doesn't get off the read when he's got a bad look. Hangs on to it, which creates pressure. So if you're off of it based on the front side and you're saying, hey, man, based on the defense we're getting, my best read is the slant on the backside. I should get to it. Well, guess what? He hangs on it hmm. for a long time. And so I think one of your one of your qualities of a great quarterback is no, it's kind of the old Kenny Rogers song. No one to hold them, no one to fold them. No when they have the matchup and the leverage situation on you, get off it and get to the next guy. I So what I'm hearing is generational skills, not generational from the neck up based on, on again, one college game that I watch. Right. If you had the number one overall pick in the draft, would you take him? I haven't seen Drake May play yet. Okay. Is uh, how does Caleb Williams compare to the guys that we've been talking about for the Broncos? Bo Nix, uh, JJ McCarthy, Michael Panix. You, you've looked at those three guys. Do you do you see a huge difference, or quite frankly, not much of a difference? Um, not, it doesn't sound like you're that. It sounds to me like part of you is like this is the guy that's being hyped as the next. Big thing, yeah, I've seen dubious. But he because he makes some unbelievable athletic plays, and uh, you know, and I, I will I'll say the other thing he does a really good job of, and I think this is I think this is probably one of his best attributes. Um, just on on the one game that I watched, um, his ability to layer throws, his ability to not only have a hose but have some touch and to have some anticipatory kind of nature. To his throws, I think he does that well. So I understand why people are, are enamored or, you know, drooling over the quote unquote generational talent. But again, you know, I keep going back to what Kyle Shanahan told me about college football. Other than arm talent, it's really hard to evaluate a quarterback because what they're asking them to do in the in the college game, they're not asking them to make decisions, right? They're not asking him to be in control of the line of scrimmage and control of the formation and motion guys and read on the run. and It's line up statically, you know, just line up and look to where your best potential matchup is and go there and hang on it. And so I saw him get through a progression where he got to the backside and, and I mean, he made a throw, great throw, on a little corner route, brought him back down away from coverage and, Made a great throw on it, but I think it was two. 
So when you know that Sean Payton said Caleb Williams is the next generational talent, goes on and on about Caleb Williams. He's talking about his talent. He's talking about his talent. But did you see enough there that said, hey, give up the next two or three no, drafts? Absolutely not. There, I was no way I would, there's no way I would move up where it's going to take you to move up to grab him and and basically continue to mortgage your future like you have done the last two years. Okay. No way. No, All right. no so, way. So it, it sounds to me, I, I, but I, this is a bit strong, but it sounds like you think Caleb Williams a bit bit overrated. I, again, I don't think so from a talent standpoint. I think he's incredibly talented. Incredibly yeah, but, talented. But you're looking for those transferable NFL skills, and right. from that standpoint, you're not really seeing it. And no, and again, it's one game. But again, the other thing is, is it's college football. But college football is tough for me. It's it's just tough because you're like, okay, we're gonna hang on number one, hang on number one, hang on number one, hang on number one, okay, incomplete. We're gonna like I don't know if was that their first loss, USC's first loss against Notre Dame? Because it'd be interesting to see how many teams tried to mimic what like what Notre Dame did. Yes, they, they were they were six and zero at that point. Okay, six and zero rolling, and, and then and then what happened? To I, I mean, they were scoring 56, 66, yeah. 56, 42, 48, 43, and then that cratered down to twenty. Right, they got shut down because I think everybody adopted. Well, that. yeah, because the rest of the way after that loss to Notre Dame, uh-huh. talk about the blueprint being out. Yeah. They ended up the rest of the way going one and four. Right. After that, so loss. they played. They didn't play a ton of man in that, but they what they ended up doing was playing tight, five down front, playing very tight, and they controlled the front. Notre Dame controlled the front, but very tight and coverage wise, still playing zone, but disrupting the routes. And they they double teamed. They they did a really good job of double teaming with two safeties high, double teaming like the inside guys, taking away the slant by. Location and then having a safety over the top to, they did a good job. And I'm I'm wondering, I I would venture to guess that was the blueprint, and a lot of teams copied kind of what Notre Dame did, and Notre Dame kicked their ass. All right, so look, it's just one opinion. It's one opinion. It's one game. Right. Uh, Joel Klatt came out this week and said he thinks Caleb Williams is the best generational quarterback to come out since. Andrew Luck in in 2012. And so of all the quarterbacks that have come out since since then, over the last decade, he thinks Caleb Williams is the best one. So that that's Joel's opinion. Yeah. So we, we shall see, and there's no doubt that uh, it looks like Chicago's going to pass on Justin Fields, move Justin Fields, and, and take Caleb Williams number one overall. So they're, they definitely see the talent, but as you said, there's still a lot to be answered about him being able to uh, make the the transfer uh, to the the NFL and all the things that go from the neck up. We'll see if he can do it. Uh, most quarterbacks that come in from college don't. It's why it's got about an eighty percent failure rate with these guys that come out of college into the pros. But it's just uh, one man's opinion, as one texter said. So when Penix makes mistakes, it's on Penix. When Caleb makes mistakes, it's on college football. Great analysis, Stink. Wait a minute. I thought you were. I thought I, you were. I, I told you, you were. Okay, first off, I thought you were lukewarm at best 
with your assessment of Caleb Williams. I didn't see. I didn't hear you blame it all on college football. No. I, one, I said he's got generational talent, so I understand what all the buzz is about. I just don't think there's. I don't think he's asked to do a lot that he'll be asked to do in the NFL. Michael Penix lovers over there. I don't know what your fascination with Michael Penix yeah, is. Yeah, I don't got know what about the, 14 what, ACL reconstructions yeah, and and throws the ball like throw that has to me garbage mechanics and doesn't throw the ball well. Yeah, guys, I don't I, I, for all I, the Penix lovers out there and boy, they've come out of the woodwork. He's uh, not even going to be a first round pick. He, he shouldn't be. He's going to be, he'll probably be probably a third round or, or later pick. Anyhow. Michael I, Pratt will go before Michael Penix Jr. does. I think the injury issues are huge. The guy's made of glass, and I just, again, I just don't, I don't see that skill set. Like, like I said, man, off-platform throws, unbelievable, unbelievable ability to layer a ball, accurate, you know, all those things, all those things are Caleb Williams, just not a lot of not a lot of getting off the number one guy, not quick to eliminate. And that's that to me is a big that to me is a big deal. Well, you said you have to look at Drake May. We'll have you look at uh, Drake yeah. May next Tuesday and then Jaden Daniels next uh, Thursday. And that'll complete okay. your look at all the top. Uh, you still need to look at Pratt because he's a guy that uh, uh, is, is being talked about as a, a possible uh, second round pick uh, for an NFL team, maybe even the Broncos. This is.